Welcome back, everyone, to episode number 13 of the Slap the Ask show. We have another very exciting guest on today. We have the real drip to rip on the show. And uh, shout out to our boy Six Sense or Atlan Trading for making the connection. We really appreciate that. And we're extremely excited to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Drip, thanks for coming on. Um, so just to start off talking, um, you know, you're very, very big on the FinTwit community. I would just like to uh, get an idea of what got you into trading in the first place. You know, I started back in 2006, uh, back when FinTwit wasn't really in the spotlight. And if I'm being honest, I, I didn't even have a Twitter. I played with a few big board stocks, but for the most part, OTC was my game. Um, I spent four years overseas in Afghanistan and it got boring kind of in the evening time. And so uh, I got started with Investors Hub. This was my go-to for trading information. Uh, it was really all I knew. I was a new trader, limited knowledge, and I didn't have a mentor. And little did I know that that was basically blood in the water for certain types of traders. Uh, I started off, I don't know, maybe $500 in my E-Trade account, lost it pretty quick. You know, there's always going to be that, oh, this never happens, or oh, you know, it's the short's fault, responses to why I was in the red. I deposit more money into my account, and you know, this is basically a rinse repeat for the first four to six months of my trading career. Then I, I decided to change it up a bit. I started researching my own stocks and learned to read a chart. For anyone new to reading charts, you know, don't expect to get it right the first time you try it. Instead, journal it out, you know, what occurred, and make the correction. Um, as time went on, I, I learned to identify supports, resistances, learned all about the RSI, MACD indicators, you know, which we can just uh, discuss later. However, I found that regardless of what the chart would show at times, the stock would perform as would not, you know, wouldn't perform as I expected it to. Um, we'll talk about it later in the show, but that's kind of where I discovered gaps. You know, whenever a chart didn't go as I had expected it to, uh, the stock would always seem to head for the open area in the chart. So I'd go back and I'd, you know, I checked on some of the other stocks I'd charted and sure enough, the same thing was happening. The stock would drop to fill in these gaps in the chart. To add to that, after the gap was filled, there was often a nice little spike that would occur after. So I found that I could play these. Um, this kind of started my addiction to gaps. And so, you know, you guys uh, new to following me, you know that a lot of the information that I put out, you know, it's, it's gap related. Um, and it, it works for both sides of the fence, whether you're a short-term trader or you're a long-term trader. But uh, a lot of people still out there, they don't believe in the whole gap theory, right? Mm. Um, but for me personally, I began to focus my strategy on these gaps. I uh, made it a point to learn all I could about reading and interpreting a stock chart. Within about six months, my, you know, my portfolio began paying out. Um, yeah. now, that being said, there's always roses, right? Um, sometimes I'd find myself taking entry at the wrong time or holding out for an extra 100% gain. Greed started to take over. and I found that I was typically only happy if the stock returned 100% plus on a run. I got caught holding on to gains that uh, soon turned into break-evens or worse, what I viewed as a loss. Um, unwilling to realize any more losses, right? I decided to work with what I had. If the stock fell below my entry point, I would wait for it to show signs of support. And I'd add to my share count to reduce my overall price per share. Then when the stock went back up, I'd sell that position either at a break-even or a small gain. And doing this allowed me to salvage a bad play easily. And so um, from there, it was more of fixing my mindset on taking profit. I think the first rule I ever wrote out for myself was taking, you know, take profit. Yeah. Really, that was step one for me. And at that point, I wasn't really focused on a specific percentage. I just simply wanted to get it, you know, into the habit of taking profits when I had them. Right. It's like once I got the profit issue now was I was holding out for that 100% gain before I started taking profit. And so that reduced my win streak by a good bit. That's where the whole 
what time ahead, period was this after you started trading? Um, I'd say within after? within the first year. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. My first, you know, four to six months um, was a lot of unrealistic expectations, right? And I'll be honest with you, I was the bad guy in the beginning. Um, I I feel like you could have probably called me a furu back then, and it took a lot of you know uh, come to Jesus moments for me to say, look, hey, by utilizing my influence on investors hub, I'm technically selling myself short, right? That's an insecurity on my part because I am not playing to the company that, you know, whether it's the technicals or the fundamentals, I'm playing to my influence, my ability to get people to do what I tell them to do. And uh, believe it or not, man, that turns into a lot of sleepless nights. You know, I wasn't, uh, wasn't happy with the, the person I had become and, I really didn't view that as investing. You know, the, the stock market isn't a casino, you know, um, contrary to what a lot of people will think. And people play it as a casino, right? They run out of money. They go to the ATM or heck, they even set it up on a direct deposit right from their paycheck. And so losing becomes ordinary. But, and this is just my own personal opinion, those who are telling you to sell for a loss are playing both sides of the fence. Right. They're they're short. They have the ability to short a stock. Right. So if you do sell, there's a potential for them to win. But if you hold on, let's just say you get in, you know, bad entry into a stock. Um, you realize that, but then look for an optimal point of entry to reduce that price per share. Right. And then once that stock jumps, you sell your position and you can salvage the play. Because until you sell, it's an unrealized loss. Just like until you uh, sell for a, uh, let's just say you got a stock that's up 100%. Until you sell that stock, it's an unrealized gain. Right? You don't have that, that money is not yours until you sell that play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, a fallacy that a lot of people tend to fall into. Is that if you don't, if you don't sell the stock, you don't have the money. <laughs> that's right. All these screenshots of all these gains aren't real gains until you actually sell them. Yeah, if you're taking screenshots of your plays, you're already behind the curve and selling it. Absolutely, yeah. you need to take profit. Yeah, the one thing I always say is if it's worthy of a screenshot, it's probably worthy to take profits. That's right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you basically started trading, what was it, 2006 in that area? Yep. Started trading in 2006. You learned a lot in the first year. You started on Investor Hub. And then I assume you started to gain the strategy of gap fills, entry points, all that kind of stuff. And then how did you trade consistently for like the last 14, 15 years? Or did you kind of go through ebbs and flows? And then how did you get into, you know, Twitter and FinTwit more recently? Yeah. Uh, so I did trade consistently, but a lot of it was going to, was more or less long-term. Um, I've never been, I just, I don't like the whole day trade philosophy. I, I know there's some that uh, make their living on that and I respect it, but I, I tend to stick towards more of a swing trade or, you know, gap fills or long-term investing. Um, you know, in the last 15 years, I've been growing a family. we got four kids, you know, and I have a daughter that's in college. I got a son that's, uh, you know, 16 going on 21, chasing <laughs> girls. And, and so, you know, life gets in the way. Um, and I've never been uh, one to have social media. In fact, when I created this Twitter, it was actually the first Twitter I've ever had. Wow. Uh, I do a lot of uh, investing for buddies of mine. I got about 10 buddies that um, I picked their, you know, their calls for them and I invest for them and uh, made them a good chunk of money. And you know, they finally, they sat me down there like, look, man, you have to take this, you know, uh, to social media. You have you have to be that change, and I was I was against it at first. And they almost gave me an ultimatum. They were like, "Look, man, either you do it or we're going to do it. Uh, you're not going <laughs> to like the name we pick. You're not going to like any of it. But you're gonna you're gonna we're, start. We're gonna tweet your plays for yeah. you." <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I said, "You know what? What the heck?" And at the time, believe it or not, I wasn't. Uh, I moved into Atlas discord i was in the otc room and uh, you know 
credit to PJ Matlock. Uh, he's done a great job putting a, you know, the server together. It's uh, very well respected in the industry. But I found that the OTC room was almost like a stepchild, right? People would come in, they would just dump plays, and then they would leave. There was nothing value added occurring. And uh, my wife sat me down one night and she goes, look, man, what are you here for? What are your goals? Right? And I said, well, oh, I want to print. Well, like, what's up? <laughs> you know? And she goes, no, like, you love helping people. What do you want to help them do? And I said, I want to help them achieve success. And she said, then you need your own platform. You need your own server. And, you know, I've never done any of that. I've never had a discord. I mean, but like that, I, I went out and I started this server. And within three months, we grew to, I think, 2,500 followers. Wow. Uh, numbers, yeah. I didn't it was that big. Yeah, it, it got big really quick. But the problem with that was it was free. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I love the idea of doing things for free. I get that. because Then you open up possibility for anybody to learn. But it also attracts bad people right bashers those who are only there to scalp the plays and um, we had a few issues that occurred in the server and so i put it out to the moderator to say hey you know um your privacy your safety is my concern what do we do and so we decided to make it a paid server and um sure we had some that you know moved over we had some that say hey i i, I just can't see paying for it and i respect that you know but um it was just too cluttered and it it wasn't adding value, but now we have, I think, 450 uh, paid members. Um, and so we're putting content out daily. Uh, shout out to my mods, they, they do fantastic. I got uh, Nitty, he's my chart master in the, in the server, he's fantastic. But um, it's, it's really taken off. And you, know, you look back and you think about it, I would have never been in this position had those buddies not said, hey man, you're, you know, it's showtime. <laughs> and, and I love it, you know. Uh, it's, and Drip, when you say we, who are the other traders that are uh, posting calls in your uh, Discord? Yeah, so um, really, we aren't one of those servers that, you know, we have a live trading floor. And it's not locked out to only certain people, right? Because my whole thing is I want to promote growth. And before that person is going to grow, they have to have that um, – I'm not going to get a slap on the wrist if I get it wrong. Right? If you're learning how to chart, I'm not going to bash you for drawing a wrong trend line. Right? Instead, I want you to just get comfortable with putting that out. Right? Mm. Nine times out of 10, if a play gets put into the, the live floor, um, you have probably 15 or 20 people that immediately dive into that play you know, and, and try to get some quick DD on it. And they come back and they're like, hey, this is great. Here's our supports. Here's our resistance. You know, uh, it's a pink current company, right? No toxic dilution, uh, no bad debt. You know, and we, and we decide at that point, you know, hey, if you're going to get in, great. If you're not, you know, but we don't say we're all piling in at the same time. It's not a server like that. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely growth you know, mindset. Yeah, I think the way that you are uh, conducting the server is how people should operate, particularly like on FinTwit or within trading communities. It sounds like a very collaborative environment. Like you said, you're not yeah. going to we're just putting a chart in. Um, yeah. And when they put a chart in, then you're going to, or they, you know, suggest a ticker. Um, and then you have other people come in and either verify, say like, this is a good thing, or oh, maybe not. The chart's not looking how we want it to be to buy in. Um, you know, I, I think that's really, again, it fosters this community of we're in this together. We're all trying to help each other. And, I think what you, people like Sixth Sense Trading, Bill Stocks, thoughts, other people on Twitter, I think you're really uh, grasping this concept um, by the balls, essentially, and really trying to promote it um, to the rest of Twitter. Because like you said, there's a lot of bad actors out there already who just front load, send to their followers, mm -hmm. a week later after they call it, dump on them, and people are left holding a bag. And it's a rinse repeat, dude. You know, you... If you have a new trader, and I would rather have a room full of brand new traders than a room full of gurus, right? Because bad, bad habits are very difficult to break. But we're not that group that's going to say, hey, fuck you, you put out the wrong stock. 
bad chart, right? We're going to say, hey, great job, but check this out, right? right? Giving you that avenue for growth, you know, and kind of plotting your roadmap so that you want to try again. You know, um, I've heard horror stories where just somebody asking a simple question, they're getting banned from a room. You know, like, come on, man, there shouldn't be a bad question in, in OTC. No, totally not, especially with the OTC. Um, I just yeah. have one other question before uh, Luke jumps in again, but um, yeah. it goes back to your trade philosophy of finding gaps. Yeah. And, um, it's funny that you said, though, that people on Twitter don't believe in like the gap fill theory, and I've seen it all over the place. Um, if you had to guess, what do you think is the pushback for people not buying into the gap fill theory? People love oh, MACD, things like that, but the gap fill is one that is a little different. People don't really <laughs> buy into it. Yeah. I would say, you know, in the beginning when, and so I had been doing gaps for quite a while and even on investors how people didn't want to listen to it. And so when we, when I took to Twitter, a lot of my gap information would get put out in the server because a lot of those people that joined the server, uh, they were interested in that gap theory. But my experience has been those who accept it are at a price per share that's lower than where the gap is at, right? Nobody wants to accept the fact that their stock is going to go down. You know, hey, I bought in at 10 cents, right? I bought in at the peak of the run at 10 cents. There's a gap down at, you know, uh, let's just call it three cents. They're not going to accept it because you're trading with emotion, right? Instead of saying, hey, that's not going to happen. Instead, they can take that philosophy and they say, hey, let me look into this. And then they can actually average down from that 10 cents to that three cents, because not only are you going to get a better price per share, but you can afford to get more shares because it's a lower price per share. And instead of that, uh, they bash. I've, I've gotten clown emojis. I couldn't tell you the amount of DMs that I've got that you just don't even want to read. And then, you know, there's a, uh, I'm pinning this, right? I'm saving this. That's fine. Do it. But then, you know, a week or two goes by where are we at? We're in the gap, right? You could have listened. You could have adjusted your strategy. And, and even if you didn't want to uh, believe it, just sit back and observe, right? Take that input and learn from it. But uh, it's, it's how we've gotten quite a few people out of bags. Any stock that you're looking at right now in your portfolio, and I'm, I'm speaking maybe more towards uh, those who are going to watch this. If you have a stock that you are down considerably on. You can work your way out of that. You, you can go in and you can identify these gaps. And if you're long-term on the stock, you look for the lowest uh, possible gap and you take, you take entry into that, you lower your price per share. And when it, when it peaks or pops, you can either sell out or you, know, you ride off into the sunset. Yeah. But a trader is only as good as the tools or resources that they have available in their toolbox. And so if you only have one set of one mindset, one strategy, you're going to become an OTC statistic real quick. Yeah, I think it's interesting how Jimmy was saying how people are kind of leery of gap theory. It's not like a well-accepted kind of theory, yeah. trading, especially in OTC. And I think the reason is, is when like <clears throat> a stock gaps down and there, there's basically no trading in between, it just drops, people get scared, right? Because they're like, oh shit, this thing's going way down. They don't want to buy. So it's like, but in reality, when you're technical trading and there's a top and it drops, the people at the top now start selling because they want to recoup their losses. So the farther it goes down, the more likely that you're going to actually find a good entry point. So I think it's kind of the psychological part of trading where people are, are not willing to buy when they see the red. And instead, the, the mindset of most traders and even me sometimes is whenever there's all these runners in the OTC, you want to chase the runners. You want to That's chase right. the flavor of the day. Because so it's kind of hard to reset your mind to think yep. in the way that you're trying to help your, you know, members in Discord and Twitter, et cetera. Now, a gap down is typically bad news, right? Maybe right. it's a reverse split. Maybe it's they're filing bankruptcy, right? And a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, it gapped down, so it's going to go back up to that price. There's stocks that were trading six months ago at $60 a share that are now in the dubs, right? That's not going to happen. But your gap ups, right, that's where your money's at. That's where you can actually 
utilize that to your advantage because typically that's just excitement, right? So investors are excited. Oh, and so they overreact, they buy in and the MMs are going to play with it. I mean, you ever, you ever go into the market open and you're like, man, the stock's already gapping up, you know, 30%. The market maker setting all that. They set the tone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then once that sentiment wears off or you can't expect the stock to always go up, it's going to fall back. And so let's just say you guys, you, you weren't able to take entry on that 300% run. Instead of buying the top, you wait for it to come back in and fill that gap. Then you take your entry, right? By doing that, you remove the emotion from the trade and you, you give yourself the best possible outcome for making money. You know? Right. Yeah. Like we said, when there's a gap up, for the gap to fill, it's usually like a stair step down, right? Yeah. Like, yep. That's right. So yep. it's not like all at once, unless. Oh, no, yeah. Right. News, like you're saying. Like, bang, <clears throat> so um, how, do you, how do you find these? Oh, go ahead, Jimmy. Sorry. Uh, no, well, actually, it's, it's funny. I was going to suggest something like that um when you find the gap fillers or um you know that that's how you want to identify play to get into would you say you combine fundamentals with technicals to make an entry point i know one thing you're stressing all about is you need double triple quadruple verification before really entering a play right yeah no you know what um back in the day the whole sell the news thing wasn't as crazy as it is today uh, when news would come out, if it was good, the stock would go up. But now when news comes out, the stock tanks, even if it's good. Hey, we made an acquisition, stock tanks. <laughs> My thought process behind that is uh, a lot of these spoofers, and you know, I'm just going to call it how I see it. They're utilizing that as their excuse for exiting a play, right? Mm-hmm. But like they're like, um, I made the call. The news oh look boom news came out um tanks you know and so when i look at gaps you know you'll hear people say hey man it's never going to happen they got news coming out i'm playing what's in front of me if i'm going off of hypotheticals i'm going to get burned right because even a letter of intent can go south real quick but what's in front of me is the current sentiment and even past sentiment of the market of that stock right and so those indicators, you know, people that only play technicals, people that only play fundamentals, either way, the technicals still play a role in what's going on in the chart. Let's just say uh, you had a company that was getting ready to put out crazy news. You had a bullish MACD uh, crossover getting ready to occur. And as soon as that cross occurred, the company put out news, right? You have both technical and fundamental playing together. And to me, that sets up almost like a forced run, right? Where both sides of the fence are playing together. It brings in the volume. You have people scanning for it and the stock thumps, you know, but there's going to be times where, man, this company hasn't put out news for 48,000 years, right? I still want to play this, this play. Well, you're going to move to technicals. You know, mm-hmm. Hey, these guys are getting ready to put out uh, news of an acquisition or news of a, a website. That's going to play. But I feel that as a trader, you're going to be your best when you take both into consideration. Right. I guess that's why customers are so popular right now, right? It's dead tickers and looking to merge in. And there's an opportunity for, like I said, news to just come out of potential reverse merger with another company to move into this dead to I want to use RETC as a great example. George Sharp was pumping the the shit out of that ticker and everybody bought in. It was up to two cents almost, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody cared about float. Nobody cared about the share structure. All they cared about was what somebody's name. And as soon as George Sharp didn't get his way and you know, I'm all about the underdog, right? Good for RETC for coming out and going pink. At that point, they won my, my vote of confidence because uh, taking custodianship of a company is raw dog. It's almost like a salesman from back in the 80s, right? You go to buy a car and you're, you're leaving with the car. And that's how I view it. It's almost like a hostile takeover, right? So for that company to clap back and say, hey, look, man, no, we're still here. We're thumping. We're doing business. You know, you hear all these people say, oh, yeah, we're going pink current. It's just a backup. RETC legitimately did it overnight, right? 
And so when Sharp put out he didn't get custodianship, what happened? The stock tanked, right? It tanked. And so when you depend, I'm going to use depend, when you depend on somebody else's influence that isn't even part of the company on that (laughs) stock's ability to go up, you're going to lose because now you're dependent on what the outcome of that transaction is, right? Is he going to get custodianship? And if he doesn't, is he going to be butthurt about it? I mean, the the other example that comes to mind is LTNC. I mean, you had had the trading man pumping the ever-living, you know, shit out of this company for months, and then he sells all of his shares at the beginning of June, and the stock just tanked. So it's like, all these guys, I mean, they want to make money at the end of the day. And if he's up and he doesn't believe in the company and he sells, like everyone's going to follow. So, yeah, I mean, you can't follow people. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say to your point with, you know, selling the news and the OTC is my thought process now is people are so scared of that dump. Once the news comes out, Mm -hmm. they're doing it. it, That it's almost sell before the news you, you, you sell, you play off the speculation because you don't want to risk that extreme sell-off after there's some sort of, you know, big news event, PR, whatever. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. Well, yeah, Drip, I think you bring up a good point, though, when you say that, uh, like, an RETC, people are relying on George Sharp taking custodianship. He's not even part of the company. He's trying to hostage right. over this ticker. And that's, like, the momentum for investing. And that's why he got pumped up and things like that. I think that um, within uh like the big boards tesla got pumped up so much purely because of elon musk right there's no reason yep. it would be a 700 billion dollar company whatever it is but at least he's a company insider he's the ceo pumping right. his own shit and i feel like with the otc like you said there's this, these influencers outside the company that have a lot to do with the price action of the stock or at least on big boards the price action is i think largely determined by com- people within the actual company um yeah it's a little bit less of a gross game if I'm being honest. Yeah. And you know, uh, to, to backtrack a little bit, right. When George Sharp was putting out that he was going for custodianship of these companies, a lot of people were up a thousand percent. I want a thousand percent. Now don't look at the money side of it, right? Because what you want to get used to doing is trading the percentage, because if you have a half million dollar portfolio and you worry about putting 200 grand into a play, you're going to lose. You have to have zero motion, trade the percent. I put 200 in, I'm out at 10, right? I'm out at 10%. But nobody was being taught to seal in your profit, right? So before any of this even happened, I would have been long gone out of RETC. If I, let's just say, um, I said, hey, I'm going to be long-term because George Sharp is playing it. At 100%, I would have already removed my investment, right? My my OG investment would have been gone. I would have been riding free shares. But then if it got to a thousand percent, buddy, I'm already gone. I'll see you later. That's it. Because now the people that were holding are now holding a bag. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I bought into GVSI. I remember, and I was up well over a hundred percent and I just kept holding and I ended up just breaking even on the play. So yeah. I was one of the, it's the hardest thing you can learn as a trader and for anybody listening your number one rule should be to take profit 20 to 45 percent if you're a short term or 100 percent remove your investment and ride free shares yeah. do that 10 times and it becomes habit then when you go into a trade think about it you want to be consistent right how many of you guys out there right now are thinking i want to do this full-time the only way you're going to be able to do it full-time is if you develop a consistent strategy for taking profit Otherwise, every trade is going to be different. Oh, I want to hold for 20. Oh, I want to hold for 1,000. Oh, I want to hold for 5,000. Yeah. You know, you have to be consistent. And those compound gains add up. Yeah. It's in, it, it, uh, well, I can't talk. It's interesting because... Uh, That's all right, bro. You look cute. Don't worry about <laughs> it. You know, Q you know, looks very cute, right? Doesn't he? <laughs> he does, super cute. His eyebrows are on point. I know he's got the he's got the light coming in with all the Instagram. Yeah, I got the uh, the lighting thing. Well, otherwise you can't see me because I have all this sunlight shining in through the window. <laughs> it's but, your uh, eyes, bro. He's got yeah. great eyes. Yeah, I always. Yeah. Always thought but that. I was saying, uh, 
You brushed it right. today. All right, Jimmy, let's take it down a notch. <laughs> but uh, Hugh Henney was saying you have to trade consistently for at least a year to really know that you're going to make money over time. And I think it's so true. Like, yeah. whenever you start trading, when I started trading, and you get on FinTwit, what do you do? You follow all the big guys. You follow the Atlas guys. You follow everyone. And you see the watches. You see the Lamborghinis. And you're like, this is so easy. And then after a few months, you start realizing, wow, do I really want to trade full time? This is extremely stressful. And it's not easy. So. But you know why they. Yeah, go ahead. It is easy. The problem is 90% of FinTwit, if they were to look at their portfolio right now, they have gains or can speak to the fact that they have had gains that were well over 100% that they're now currently holding bags on, right? And so you can learn from that and grow, right? But you have to accept the fact that, hey, look, you know, I messed up. I should have took these gains and now I'm going to push forward. If you can learn to take your profit 20%, there ain't no bank that's going to give you 20%. And half the time, your 401k ain't going to give you 20% in. If you put 500 bucks into a play and you make 20% on it, fine. Good, yeah. Fine. If you make 45%, epic. What did you do right? What did you do wrong? Move on to the next play. But the problem is people think that these plays are once in a lifetime. It happens every single day. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's really what it comes down to, right? There's always opportunity. There's opportunity. Always, man. Day, but people get this mindset that this was it. The, the ship has sailed. Yeah. I'm going to go out and get a bumper sticker. Uh, you know, I, I got a humble tattoo on my arm, which by the way, I love humble. Um, I did a little. Did you play humble? What's that? Did you play humble? No, I didn't. I actually had a lot of investors that had uh, were down considerably in it. Um, so I went through and identified all the gaps in the chart and kind of put out a big, long tweet about it, trying to you know, uh, provide a little bit of clarity as to what was happening. Right. Because nobody's going to provide clarity when the stock's tanking. They only want to talk about it when it's, it's mooning, right? Right. Well, anyway, Drew, I, you know, you providing gas for Humble, I think that might be a good transition to uh, <laughs> the next up, of the interview, right? You want to see some gap? I think, yeah, I would love to see some gaps. I, that's something that I have to uh, improve on my own trading game. I think Luke does as well, and all our listeners and viewers would definitely benefit from seeing how someone like, you know, an expert like yourself goes about uh, identifying and trading these gaps. And you know what, man, I, I'll stop you right there. I, I do consider myself in my own right, right, uh, a subject matter expert, right? but I don't consider myself to know it all. I always make it a habit to learn something new every single day, you know, interact with somebody. Uh, and I think as soon as you feel like you've learned it all, right, it's time to hang up, hang up the clothes, hang up the towel. Um, and so you know with gaps you're always learning uh, you know behaviors they don't always act the same they don't always you know uh, provide consistent gains and i think it's important to note that when you're playing with the stock that's gonna happen you know you're not always gonna be right but if you're not right what are you gonna do to correct you know your your trajectory and keep pushing forward Mm-hmm. Because until you actually sell, you're still in the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, the right thing about it. If you guys do want to talk a little bit about gaps, I can throw up uh, the SRMX. Yeah, you want to bring the chart up? Yeah, let me hold on one second here. Yeah. You suck. Well, it's funny. When we were talking to Rich on that one, <coughs> he said the, the name of the game is staying in the game. Because if you can stay in the game, you're going to learn a lot. But it's hard. Journal to- it out, man. Get yourself a, a, a cheap journal. I got people that are putting calendars up, you know, profit or loss that you take daily, put it on a calendar. But you have to have the ability to see both sides, right? When you win, write out what went right. If you lose, what went wrong, but what could you change? You know, and if you didn't take profit at 20 to 45%, write that down. So that way, when it, you know, let's just say the play goes south, you can look back and say, look, I could have took profit a week before. I could have actually sealed this profit in, but now I'm trying to work my way out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you keep a trading journal, Drip? I do. I keep a trading journal. I keep an algorithm journal. Um, so I, I, I do a lot with scanners, setting up scanners. So I have a 
couple black books. Yeah. I, I did that for a little. I had an Excel spreadsheet of all my trades. And then I was like, this is, this is a lot of work. Cause it is a lot of work, man. But if I could offer up any type of input here, write it out in a journal, right? Yeah. Get yourself a journal. I know it sounds funny. And a lot of people are, oh, I'm a man. I don't want to do that. Right. Nobody even has to know you have it, but by writing it out, auditory visual kinesthetic, right? Sometimes, sometimes even when you're writing it out, just, you know, talk about it as you're writing it out. That way it clicks in your brain and you can retain that. Yeah. I think that's great advice. All right. So you got a SRMX up here. Yeah. Can you see my screen? Yeah. Looks great. Okay. Awesome. So um, real quick right now, I just have a plain chart up. Uh, it's the daily. <clears throat> and so that's what I typically utilize. Intraday gaps do happen, but I play the daily chart because at the end of the day, uh, the gaps that I'm looking for uh, would be basically, let's just say day one, the stock closes at 10 cents. Next day, stock opens at 15 cents. I have a gap between 10 and 15, right? So that's what I'm playing. And so by looking at this chart, um, we're going to end up breaking this out into three phases. Okay, so let me move over here. I don't have any indicators up, but uh, let's, here's my phases. So the first one is my excitement or my FOMO. This is typically where you're going to find a lot of gurus or furus are taking their entry. See this point right here? That's what I like to call my furu entry. So Twitter is typically third or fourth in line to get the alerts. Hate to say it. They can hate all they want, but that, that's how it is. Um, and then you have, you know, the Furu's best friend. They grab some shares. Then the Twitter alert comes on, right? Everybody get on. You're going to miss it. It's going to the moon. Get your ticket, right? Smart money is loading. Whales are on board. That's, that's what this phase is. So the run goes up. And if you look from triple zero five, right? And so anybody that got in at triple zero five, you can buy a lot of shares at that price. So then the stock goes all the way up to a high of 0 0.0179. Trust me when I tell you this, there are people that were still holding their shares because this is oh, it's going to NASDAQ, right? It's, it's going to run for president. You know? <laughs> um, they're still holding. And so step one is getting people out before the top. If you didn't get in at the bottom, Right, it's teaching people that got in right around here to identify when they should have got out. But yeah. if you teach that twenty to forty-five percent rule, right, you're out well before this and any of this happens. And if you say, "Hey, I'm a long-term shareholder at hundred percent," you removed investment. You're riding with free money. Right. And so excitement, FOMO. That's that's where you see a lot of the hype. That's where if I were to put a gap analysis out on a stock that's in that stage, they are going to rape me. Right, they do not want to hear it. It's it's going to continue going up. Stocks only go up. Then I do have a couple um, indicators that I typically use. My MACD and my RSI. I'm using them as momentum indicators. RSI I think is really good for just kind of doubling down on letting me know, hey, is you know what's the strength of the run. Uh, my MACD. If I'm playing a swing trade, you know I'm looking for that that MACD to cross up over my signal. And then as they expand, you can see this, this divergence here. When that divergence almost reaches a peak, so you see here, they're pretty close, right? But when that divergence reaches this peak, and you can kind of see these volume histograms here, the MACD histograms, kind of give you uh, the sentiment. So as it's expanding, I'm still having people buying. But now as it's closing in, I'm seeing red. So for me, I'm taking, I'm getting out. See how you got a, a green followed by a green bar here. They're yeah. the same. Nothing got higher. Nothing got lower. Now I'm on, now I'm on point. I'm on watch. Then I look for that first red. See the red? Yep. I, I need to, I need to pull pitch. I'm out. So just a quick question. So yeah, if, if you're in this play, when would you start recommend? Because you know, they always say selling to strength, right? Mm -hmm. So when would you start taking profits in this? Twenty to forty-five percent. If you're if you're day trading, remember this: if you want this to be your your job, right? If you don't want the nine to five anymore, you have to focus on removing emotion, not letting greed take 
control and being consistent with your gains, right? Your paycheck at work, if you're a salaried employee, it is consistent regardless of how much work you put in, whether you work three days a week or you work seven days a week, right? That is what you want to create. Your ability to get into a stock, hit that 20 to 45% mark and pop smoke. Now, if you want to play a little bit more risky, right? so back to your question there, Luke, um, when I see this, so I'm looking at my, looking at my RSI, right? It's peaked here. It starts to drop. And keep in mind, these are all lagging indicators. So you'll see right here, the RSI actually kind of told me a little bit before my MACD did that, hey, this run's kind of starting to, to die off. I'm well into overbought territory. And so at that point, yes, even on that first red candle, I went up a little higher. It was also where I started to transition into that uh, green to red on my volume histo from a MACD. And so when you're playing this, if you got in here, I'm still going to stick to my 20 to 45%, right? right? I should be looking to take exit from the play at 20 to 45%. But if you're going to be a risk taker, when you see these indicators, if that uh, divergence is getting pretty far apart, right? Now I'm looking for a small little dip down, right? So when that white MACD dips or curves or flattens, I'm out, runs up, right? Volume histograms are, are up. Um, my, I got a Ravi indicator. This is, again, it's momentum. Um, and I, I can put over, I'll send you guys a list of all the different indicators I use and just kind of what I use them for. Uh, I'll send it over to you and you can put that out if you want to as well. Cool. Right. But um, I also have on here this super trend and the super trend indicator is great, but it's not standalone. And for me, uh, it's using your, it's using average to uh, true range, right? I think it's 10 day, and then it's using a multiplier on it. Basically, when the price is above the line, I'm going to get a buy. So green arrow, buy. And then once it goes red, that's when you notice your price is under that line, right? Yeah. But the indicator is only as good as the other indicators being used to gauge it. It should not be standalone because if it was, look at here, this is where you would have got out of the play. Mm -hmm. MACD and RSI were screaming take profit well before. But for entry into a stock, it typically does very well on its own. Right? Um, and so top of the play is reached. And keep in mind, man, there's people that bought naturally at the top yeah i mean the volume's insane right there yep so there it's fomo right it's up three four hundred percent people are taking entry into it but let's just say next day look what happened boom oh shit right now i'm gonna loss. next phase hold don't panic this is where they come out and they're saying hey if you're selling you're crazy i'm accumulating right i'm mortgaging my house i'm buying more shares that's incorrect no you're not dude <laughs> Come on. If you're screenshotting your, you know, your uh, portfolio balance, right? There's no way you're not taking profits when you have them, right? But by influencing people that are following you, it allows you to get out of that hundred percent. You say, Hey man, I'm going to ride this up to 7,000%, right? People love me. Right? Um, and so this whole panic phase is a lot of people saying what's going on, right? What should I do? And at that point, there's where your furus start to say, well, don't talk to me, right? It's your own fault. Right. You should have took profit. You're not, you're not getting any feedback, right? They'll retweet when, when things are going great. But when you're like, hey, man, now what do I do? The stock's down 30, 40, 50%. What do I do? They block you. Yeah, they're like, I already called the runner. You should have taken profit. Yeah. And then it gets worse, bro. Now their minions are going to pile on you, right? They're going to retweet it and be like, you know, hey, have I made any of you guys money? And then everybody's like, hey, jump on drip. <laughs> Pile on, bring it the fuck on them. That's my mentality behind it. Because the best part about having experience is you do not have to change yourself to appeal to others. Right? Your experience, your guys' experience is gained from both failure and success. 
right? And if you see something enough, you depend on it, right? And I think the function or the mindset of a true leader should be taking that experience and putting it into a learnable format so that other people can learn, right? And, and being okay with uh, not getting perfection. And so let's just move forward here. I don't want to keep you guys all day. Plus, uh, liquor store just opened. <laughs> it's Saturday. You got to mm-hmm. enjoy yourself a little bit. <laughs> so then you get into the help or the, you know, right? Fear for your life stage. And I, I'm, I'm only trying to, trying to draw a little bit of humor here. Uh, to lighten the mood because at this stage you can still get out you can still work your way out if you're holding that bag again if they're saying take the loss right that person is playing both sides of the but the help stage is where you know you see everything start to die out look at your MACD it's flatlined right you get some you know a little bit of ups and downs here that's great and I'll talk about why you have but you'll notice even down here on your Ravi indicator, um, everything's just kind of flatlined, right? That's where people have no clue what they're doing. They just, they're in a holding pattern, you know, deer in headlights, and they're looking for some type of guidance, right? Can somebody help me? I've been blocked. You know, hey, the guy that told me about the play, he blocked me. Please, somebody help me take, you know, figure out what I'm going to do. And I do not tell uh, I'm not a financial advisor. You know, I don't say buy here, sell here. But if you are down 60 grand, I am going to give you my, my ultimate attention. I am going to help you because nobody should have to feel that in their, you know, in their thought process. Man. We're all human, you know. And so I find joy in helping somebody get out of the bag, right? But I don't need you holding, you know, needing me to hold your hand. I want you clawing. And like, look, I ain't getting caught in the bag. I'm getting out of the bag. And that's the mindset you have to have, right? So uh, if anybody, you know, screenshot this, keep this, you can look at any play that happened during February and you'll see this exact same three phases, right? And so now let's go over. I have uh, this pulled up here, identifying the gaps. So what do you do first? What I want you to do is you see this little black box I have here? Mm-hmm. Act like from... This box, uh, this whole box isn't here yet. Somebody told you right here to get into the stock. Right? A pumper said, buy now, sell your kidneys, mortgage your house, right? Put your kids on Craigslist. You need this stock. And Drip says, no, don't do it. Right? Don't do it. And so now you got the whole, you know, you got an angel on your shoulder, you got a devil on your shoulder. And I don't know which one I am, but I like to think I'm the angel, right? And the pumper is the devil part, you know, saying, do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. But yeah. at this point, you, you, if you're familiar with gaps, you say, look, I love the company. It's got my attention. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for gaps in the chart because if I like the stock, I can take entry at a lower price. Right? And so what I do, you'll notice I already have them circled as I go in and I'll do this for you. I'll give you a great example here in a minute. But then I identify on this side, all of the gaps that were created during the run. Now, I don't know if you guys use bar charts. Bar charts is a great resource. It's free. And if you want some added features of it, all you got to do is put in an email. But you can go into price history. And if you have a date, so for example, this is 2-9-2-10. You're going to look at the entry, or I'm sorry, the open of 2.9 and the last, um, I'm sorry, the last of 2.9 and the open of 2.10, right? And that'll give you the exact gap for that date, right? So if you're trying to play short term, and we'll talk about playing the gaps here in a minute, you can actually play each of these gaps on the way down and make tons of money. Or if you're long-term, you bought up at the top at $48 a share, right? Once it gets down here, you're looking at that lower gap to take entry so you can reduce your price per share, you know, quite a bit and then ride off into the sunset. So um, I'll come over here real quick and I'll give you guys a great example just how I do it. I'm looking for gaps on my daily chart. Uh, Right here is one. So 
I, I draw in, in the beginning, I'm not too concerned with, am I accurate in uh, where I'm putting my line? Right? I can go to bar charts and I can say, what's my, uh, my close on 210? What's my open on 211? Go down. Here's another one. Gap. Now, when you're doing these gaps, especially when you're learning, it's important that you pick a stock that you are not invested in. Because when you're identifying gaps, emotions are going to run high. You don't want to believe it. But if you look back, and I'm going to show you here in a second, these gaps are going to fill, regardless of what people say. And so by picking a stock that you're not emotionally attached to, you're going to go in and you're going to learn. You're going to say, hey, here's a gap here. And it doesn't take long, right? You'll get to the point. I'm, I'm not even going to finish doing this. But you'll get to the point where you look at a chart and the first thing you see is what? It's gaps. All the gaps. It's yeah. gaps. Yeah, that's right. And so I come here and I draw these in. Next is playing those gap fill spikes. So run got up here. James decided, hey, you know what? I'm not that pumper's pump daddy. Right. I'm going to wait and I'm going to play how Drip says I should play. And so he waits for it to fall back. Meanwhile, Drip's saying, hey, look, guys, there's gaps in the chart and everybody's throwing pitchforks at him. James is, you know, off in the weeds and he's just saying, hey, man, I'm sitting back and I'm checking what he's throwing down. <laughs> but when this, uh, so you got one, two, three, four days go by and look what happens. I'm going to get rid of this now. What happened? Got filled. It got filled. Now, there's a big, it used to be gaps weren't real. Now it's the whole wicks count. But I'm here to tell you, brother, wicks do not count. Right? And you can make money playing into that because let's just say, and you see how this wicked all the way down here? Mm -hmm. To me, and they can agree or not, but that's my market makers signaling to other market makers what's happening. What's going to occur? I'm going to go for another gap, right? There's more gaps. Check this out. This one right here, wicked all the way down to the lower gap. Right. The lowest gap, wick. And if that were the case, then none of this would have even happened. I should have just been on my way to future success because look, the wick, right? right? But you need that candle body. Um, so drip, just a quick question though. When you play gaps, do you normally play the short side of the trade then? Cause you see it has to get filled at some point, right? Or so do you wait playing, Yeah. If I'm playing gaps, I'm playing, typically I'm playing a swing. Okay. Right? Um, and the reason for that is a lot can happen. A lot can happen, um, with, so let's just say, for example, here, um, I don't know, I messed up my chart a little bit, right? This filled, and then what happened? It spiked. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what we call a gap fill spike because the candle body closed at um, where that bottom part of the gap was. Mm -hmm. right. So if you, let's just say you took entry, you were able to get in at these lower wick here at 0 0.0055, you could have ran this up to 0 0.0096, you, you sell, right? You take profit, comes back down. Right? And what typically happens is once that gap fills, now that gap acts as a support as well as a resistance. So you'll notice it came down to touch the lower band, right? Jumped a little bit. Bounces, yeah. And then it goes back down. And then what happens here? I fill a gap. Right now, here is where you can't be dependent on, hey, the gap filled, I need 90% tomorrow. Right? Because if the trend in the chart is down, and look, trending down, right, bearish, everything's bearish. What's typically going to happen is we filled, right? But they're going to drop to what's probably a support. And so at that point, if I'm looking to play this short term, I'm going to, hey, chart's bearish. 
I'm going to go over to bar charts and I'm going to look at my trader cheat sheet, right? And if, if uh, you're good with support resistance, you can draw these in yourself. But bar chart does a really good job of putting uh, your pivot points in. And so if you were to look at bar charts, you would have found that instead of it spiking here, they actually brought it down uh, to that support. And if you would have bought down here at 0 0.0032, you could have rode that gap fill spike to 0 0.0093. So this would have been the second time you could have made some money. Right. You take profit, right? And keep in mind, check it out. Look where that, that run ended. That top band acts as a resistance. You see that? Right, right. Right. So if I'm playing that, I know that, hey, I can probably get out even right here or I can play into that, but I'm getting a little risky. So then I sell, I take my profit, comes down, look at here. That lower band acts as a support. Support. A support, right? And then people are like, hey, look, it's not going to fill. Check it out. Drips and plows. Okay? But if you write this out, if you have a plan, guys, and it's all about removing emotion. You say, hey, I'm going to wait for it. Comes down, right? And it broke through, see? On 325, broke through, came down here. Now, what starts to happen and how you can make some money is you'll typically have, you see this little spike when it gets close to the next gap, mm -hmm. right? They're going to bounce and say, no, not, not, you're not entering, right? You're not taking entry into it. <laughs> it's kind of like always look at here. Then that's where that signal took place look at that we're yeah. dropping so it drops right filled in here mm -hmm. right came down and sometimes you don't have to have the candle body in if it if it's filled a little bit but then you get a gap down right consider that filled right okay it came down it touched that lower part of the gap or the top band and spiked from 0 0.0021 up to 0056 so drip i got a quick question yeah, from, like, from like an overall perspective, if, you, if you're getting into this play, right, typically, typically you're getting in before any real volume spikes, maybe because you're playing on a catalyst or something. So if you, if you get in like, I don't know, say like, you know, you get in the double zeros, the low double zeros, you're, you take your first profit on that first spike. Do you typically play like a ticker multiple times or are you just like you get in, you get your profit on the spike, the gap fill, and then you're out? I played RGBP, I think, three or four times, waiting on a gap to fill. Yeah, because I feel like the more you're in a stock, the more you kind of learn the personality of it. The pattern, yeah, yeah. yep, yeah. that's right. And yeah. the more you play this, right, you'll start to kind of get a, uh, a better perspective of, and keep in mind, every stock's different, right? So the whole mentality that, hey, this stock went to the moon, so this, you know, being a custo is going to go to the moon as well. You have to look at it on a stock-by-stock -stock basis. But right. if I didn't take entry here, and I just was playing short term, I am now setting up to say, I'm going to play this spike. I'm going to play this spike. I'm going to play this spike, right? And then if I really like the stock, let's just say they're putting out great news. And keep in mind, guys, if you were to look back, news is coming out during all this, when this is all happening, right? The stock isn't going to Jupiter when news is put out. It's kind of interesting to look back and see um, if the volume is not there, gaps are going to fill. If the volume is there and the sentiment is on fire, they will let it run, but it's not going to run as hard as you think, right? They're still almost going to ride a little, right? ENZC, I'm going to give you guys, anybody that's looking to take entry into ENZC, 13, I think 13 cents is where that and everybody's wondering what's going on with ENZC. They have so much, you know, uh, going on for them right now. Once that gap fills, I'm very excited to see what happens, right? Where the stock goes, because just like Humble, every time they get close to filling it, there's a massive spike. That last gap fill is usually epic. Right? And so, you know, if you're short term, and you, you've played gaps a lot. You say, hey, I'm going to play these. You've made a good bit of money on it. You trade the 20 to 45%, you get out. And then along the way, you say, hey, you know what? I really like this stock. Check it out. We filled this gap, right? Came down here, bounced a little bit, right? Gap filled spike. Now I have the last gap in, in, the, uh, in the chart. And granted, 
if I bought in up here, I don't care about any of this. What I'm looking for is I'm setting my alert about 0.0019, right? And I'm going to start using this range, so 1.9 to 1.7, to take entry. I might even say, hey, I'm going to take it at 0.002, right? Just so I don't miss. A lot of people, they'll sit right on the bid at that 1.7. I hate to tell you, you're not going to get entry into it. Don't, don't look for the lowest possible uh, uh, entry point, right? Be content with getting in that gap fill zone. That's what we call it. Yeah, you can never predict the bottom, but you can. Right. And, be, but just getting in. In that and, range. That's right. And if you were up here, right, if you had 5,000 that you put in at two cents, and let's just say you have 3,000 that you put down here at 0 0.0019, but buy to your two cent average all day. Right now you're going to be in the money. Now you're in a real good spot long-term. You added a little bit to bring your average down. Now, the one thing that I will stress is when you go to take profit, okay, unless you have the ability to pick your whole first in, uh, first out or first in, last out, you want to make sure that you are selling that lot altogether. Because as soon as you sell, let's just say, hey, I'm going to take my profit. Right? This whole long-term strategy should be getting you out of a bag. So break even or small gain, okay? Don't get greedy. Mm. But you have to sell it all together because if you sell, let's just say during that run, you know, like some of you guys have probably done, you average down, right? You buy the dips, but it just keeps dipping. So now when you go to sell, what happens to that average? You sell a small piece here, the average goes back up again, doesn't it? Right. Right. Yeah. So, so now you're, go ahead, bud. Yeah, so basically you're saying if you buy at the top, play off the gaps, play off the support levels, and slowly dig your way out of the bag, basically. Over yeah, if, if you bought at the top, you're not going to play this, right? You're not going to play these gap fills. If you were alerted at the top, you say, not today, right? I'm going to play the gaps. And now you're taking entry on all these different gap fills. Right. You're so you're saying you would, you would sell out of your position completely and then yep. off the gap time. thereafter? Yep. Right. Yep. And so that's what I did with RGBP. In fact, uh, I started off, I think I'd only had five grand in RGBP. Um, and when it was all said and done, I had upwards of 20,000 uh, in there. And I was able to remove, so by doing that, uh, I worked my way into free money before I even went long-term. So when the stock spiked, I didn't have to sell, you know, at hundred uh, percent, I was more or less like, 50, 60%, I was able to remove my investment and ride free. Right. No? So it's great for compounding to move in. But if you were long-term and you got caught at the top, you're looking to take entry down here uh, to reduce that average. Right. So, great lesson on how to get out of bags using gap theory. <laughs> yeah, buddy. And, you know, um, if you follow my, my feed, you'll notice there's a lot of people that are putting it up. I had one lady... Um, she had a bag that she was about 60 grand down on. And, um, you know, when you have that kind of money and it's real hard to not have emotion, right? especially for a new trade. But my thought is one, I need you to trust that I'm not here for anybody's benefit, but your own. Right? And I'm here to help you not only get out of this bag, but learn so that you don't get yourself into it. And if you do get yourself into another bag, you can work your way out on your own. You don't need me. Right. And so, um, seeing somebody average their way down. So for example, humble, if you bought in at $6 a share on humble and now you took four grand and put it in, you're getting far more shares for the current price per share than you would have at the $6. So your average up top is almost a mute point. So then these, you know, these traders, they go in, they average down, and then the stock spikes 40, 50%, right? But it's enough for them to be at break even. That moment, that's the single best uh, example I can provide for you guys that keeps me moving, right? When you can take somebody from crying in your direct messages about you know, being down and out. And then that same person within a month is crying at the fact that they've actually got out with their original money plus five or 10%. Um, 
that to me is is, uh, is worth its weight in gold. And that's why I will continue to, you know, to educate and, and help people grow in, in the Timberwolf community. Wow. That's awesome, Drip. Doing, it, doing the community service, Drip. What else can be said? That's very admirable of you. I love it, dude. It's, it's, it's a blast. Um, you know, it's crazy because I, I still have my nine to five that I do, you know, for the insurance and I enjoy it. But the more I continue to do this on the daily, you know, my wife's like, just quit, <laughs> just, just bye. Right. Um, and I want to, right. But at the same time as the provider in the house, you know, the what if uh, yeah. is, is still a factor and insurance is just absolutely ridiculous. If you're, uh, if you're not, you know, employed, um, I don't care how big your portfolio is either somebody in your household has a job that provides benefits um, or you're working a part-time job with benefits. That's one trip to the emergency room, one CAT scan, and you're 70, 80 grand. Yeah. It, it's kind of like you said with trading. When you're playing with free money, it takes the emotions out of it. That's right. Kind of like having a nine to five. It kind of takes the emotions out of trading a little bit because you always have that fallback. Yep. Yep. And, and my, my, let's just say you fund an account with five grand, right? If you're a new trader, you should put a goal up on your board that has you removing your initial, your five grand. Right? When you make 10 grand, remove that five and only work on playing with that money, right? Because it literally has to be fucking money. Yeah. When well, in reality, it's even less because of taxes. So, yep. Yep. yeah. But, uh, Drip, I think we got to start wrapping it up soon. Yeah, but buddy. I, hey, man, I apologize for rambling on. No, no. This was a wealth of knowledge. We really appreciate you coming on. You got to start doing charting videos. Yeah, we do them in the server. So right now I got Nitty doing it. And my big thing is, man, I'm going to play to your strengths, right? I have guys and, and ladies in the server um, that I'm very good at finding what they're good at, right? Right. And Nitty just, he has a knack for communicating to people, right? He's very good with charting. And in the beginning, he was like, you know, he was a little timid by it. I said, no, man, trust me. Like, this is what... You're, you're good at this. Do it. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to get it wrong and, and just push. And um, it's just been really neat seeing them grow, you know, seeing everybody really grow in, in the server. Um, I used to put out videos. I think I put a few out and you know, we're going to, August is going to be a pretty big month for content. So uh, keep awesome. watching and I'm looking forward to it. Pushing. Yeah. So with that, thank you so much. Having drip to rip on the show definitely learned a lot i think we're probably going to break this up into two videos maybe but, uh, a bunch <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah man feel free to do it yeah thanks so much for coming on drip we really appreciate, I appreciate it. you guys and, uh, hey. enjoy your saturday yeah keep pushing let's print drip thank you for your service in afghanistan by the way and thanks for yeah, your thank service you. too hey brother thank you for thank your support you. be take safe care, drip. I take care. Care. Right. Crack and torn. the kids are caught up but the lives are worn.